On Developer Voices this week, we're back in the world of data and data streaming and specifically Kafka. But this time we're going to look at it right from the very top of the stack. Because the thing about Kafka is it's kind of a ground up rethinking of the way you handle data at serious volume when you might have a billion messages an hour coming through across a cluster of machines. That needs some new thinking compared to what we had a decade ago. And I think Kafka's been really successful because it solves that core scale problem with a very simple core idea, the log file. And it builds up quite nicely on that. The challenge that Kafka has really faced is that when you rethink things from the ground up, you can't just rebuild the foundations. You have to build the whole tower all the way up to the top into user space. You need to build infrastructure. You need to build tooling. And I think it's fair to say that in the 10 years that Kafka's been around, it's done a lot of good things for data at scale. But the user experience, the developer experience, still not a solved problem. Maybe it is. Maybe it is if you and everyone on your team speaks and loves Java. But for everyone else, most of the answers you get are some new dialect of SQL. That's what's going to make this easy. Treat it like SQL. Good answer. But there are other answers. The design space is still being explored. And my guest today, Luca Pete, has been building a new data processing tool called TypeStream, which takes Unix as its inspiration instead of SQL. Because when you think about it, Unix has been building pipes of data since the 70s. So why not mine it for some ideas? So that's the topic for today's podcast. An old design idea, Unix, transplanted into a new domain, real-time data streaming. Let's see what we can learn. I'm your host, Chris Jenkins. This is Developer Voices. And today's voice is Luca Petty. I'm joined today by Luca Pete. How are you doing, Luca? Uh, nice, nice, good, good. And you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad to see you. We uh, we've yet to cross paths in the real world, even though yep. we're you know working similar circles in the data space, right? Yeah, it's true. I, I think you know the main reason might be that uh, I don't go to conferences, especially in the US. But in general, I'm not really like a conference person. So I guess oh. that. That may be the reason why we never met. Maybe next year, if we both end up at Kafka Summit, would be nice. I think there's a good chance we'll overlap yeah. sooner or later. Because you're only in Berlin, so you're not far yeah. away from me, right? You shouldn't be there. Yes, it's yeah, true. Yeah, you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. But even if you're not a conference person, you're stuck now. You've got to, uh, you've got to give me a conference talk in uh, conversational form for the next true. hour or so. <laughs> true. Um, the reason I wanted to talk to you is you've been... I'm going to frame it like this. So there's a lot of people working in the big scale data processing world, trying to make this more usable. That's a big problem. Like there are people. We had um, Neil Busing on recently, saying how Kafka Streams is his favorite library for data processing, and it's a great library, but you couldn't call it user friendly. Yeah, I I I think it'd be kind of a stretch. I do agree with him. Is the best at least. Also, my favorite Java library out there. It's, I think, a pretty incredible piece of technology. But yeah, user friendly would be kind of a stretch. Just, just <laughs> for starters, you would have to be a Java developer. That you know, that's already yeah. that's already 
that's already a stretch to call it user-friendly because you have to know language. And for example, I am a good example of that. I literally went back to the language just because of Kafka Stream, right? So I forced <laughs> myself back into the space trying to learn the language I hadn't seen in 10 years. Uh, so no, no, it's not. And I, and, uh, and I think it's, uh, I would say, I would argue generally true of the uh, data streaming tooling out there and there is nothing wrong with it. Like I like, you know, I don't want, I don't want that to come across as, uh, you know, as a critique saying, you know, all the tools out there are not user friendly. I think it's more like of a story. Like if you look at it historically, it's just like a, uh, you put it in the right perspe- perspective and then it's actually just normal that the tooling is uh, not user friendly yet because, well, it's kind of early days. It doesn't feel like it's early days of data streaming because, I don't know how you first came across Kafka, but uh, my I think my, in my case, the first project must have been 0.8, 0.9. So we're talking oh, wow, to... That is a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a very long time ago. I think it was so early that that people in the team I was working with, they were a little worried that, you know, Kafka wouldn't, you know, uh, wouldn't be so stable. <laughs> That's how early days it was because no one would ever say that now. And to be fair, it was also, it also made sense because Kafka just changed their protocol significantly. And we'd been talking to people saying, oh, they just changed all the protocol. We're stuck on 0.7. So people were worried, but it sounds like a million years ago, but I think it's slightly more than 10 years ago. So it's just a decade since we have seen, you know, uh, streaming come to, uh, I, would you call it mainstream? It's also somewhat of a strange <laughs> wordplay. I, did, I, didn't I, I think, think I think we're still, I think we're on the cusp of being a mainstream idea, but we're still yeah. not there yet. I don't and th- I think I don't one think of the things, that. one of the things stopping us getting there, I think in order to get any kind of traction in this, we had to go right down to the nuts and bolts of how do we store data. Yeah. And we're climbing up that ladder from disk all the way up to user space. Yeah. And that's why usability is almost the last piece before we can go mainstream. Yeah. No, and I and I and that's kind of exactly my point with saying, you know, I don't mean it as a critique when I say the tooling out there is not user-friendly because, so first of all, it is kind of just a fact that it's not user-friendly yet because... I believe Kafka Stream might be the simplest library, like the simplest tooling out there to do uh, stream processing. And it's definitely not an easy technology to to get started with because of the language, uh, because it doesn't click immediately in people's head. I wrote a very long article trying to explain uh, how Kafka Stream works to other people, but it was also a way for me to see like, do I even get it myself? Because the, you know, the beauty of this technology is so profound that it doesn't doesn't click in your head that uh, that fast. And uh, yes, I agree with you that usability comes last. And uh, in a way, if you think about it, it's. I think the conversation is somewhat starting now, and I think most people are approaching it uh, from a perspective that. I, I think it's obvious if you know what I'm working on that I don't agree with. That is, you know, we're trying to bend SQL to do things that SQL cannot really do. Uh, and again, one more time, I don't. I, I'm not trying to be negative or trying to critique the solutions that are using SQL because I think they make sense. I, I think it's obvious that you say, okay, 
how do we make uh, stream processing more user-friendly? And then, I don't know, Confluent comes up with KSQLDB. I, th- I, I understand why they did it. And I, if I was where they were when they started KSQLDB, I would probably suggest SQL myself. I think it makes sense because, it you know, everyone knows SQL. That's kind of the argument, right? So everyone knows SQL, and that's um, how you uh, get people to do stream processing. Uh, but then you hit limitations pretty soon, actually. And then you end up with the dialect of SQL that people don't know anything about. Like I, I, I've done SQL for basically all my career. And then every time I have to do something with KSQLDB, I just have to learn the syntax from scratch again. Because, <laughs> because and, and it's, there is nothing wrong with it. It's just that it, it always makes me feel that you know, the metaphor doesn't actually work because SQL has this declarative approach to asking questions that is like, you know, this is what I want and you figure out how to give it to me. And it, it has some sort of like, maybe it's not even really there, but it, I get this, this, you know, there is this inner requirement that says like, it's more like a request response thing where, you know, I give you, I yeah, give you yeah. some SQL, you give me some data back which by definition doesn't actually work with streaming because streaming is unbounded data. So that, you know, I give you something and you give me something back. Like there is already something breaking down in this, in this metaphor. And yeah, it's like, I think, I think the usability thing, we are scrabbling around the design space looking for answers. And and this is great. This is an exciting time. I I like it when we're thinking about new ways to design software. And yeah, SQL is a very, it's a natural fit for how can we get data and what people are used to and usability, but that's a double-edged sword. What people are used to can also be a limitation of if you've got a very different underlying model, the abstraction can break down, as you say. Yeah. Which is, is, I think what we see, even, even though, like people have gone really far, right? If you look at how powerful Flink is and uh, like they have gone really far with it, but I the problem is that, you know, it's kind of funny because while on one side it did make it more approachable, I like, I don't know, if you try to run this technology on your machine, then, you know, you're still m- like m- like miles away from the average experience you get if you interact, I don't know, with Postgres on your machine, right? And I, I, and I think that's such a, it's such a simple and like trivial way maybe of looking at the problem but well that's what literally developer experience means right if i'm experiencing getting data out of uh, postgres i just have to remember how select works i don't even know where postgres store data i never even looked at it i mean it's not true i'm just making <laughs> i'm just making this up for the for the for the sake of the conversation the point is more that you don't actually need to know where the data is you don't need to know their encoding you just have some interface that gives you the data back and and because the basic abstraction is so simple, then we kept building up on top of it. And then you end up with, uh, you know, the, I don't even remember how it's called. I think it's called the data grip plugin inside IntelliJ or these beautiful interfaces that allow you to talk to SQL. It, it's, it's even like, even the interface is nice. Like it even looks nice when you interact with it, which, you know, it's like a second stage of uh, usability and, uh, you know, this might be actually the only thing I always struggled with streaming si- since 2013 on. That is like, 
even the simplest tasks are not actually that easy. Like, you know, I worked in a variety of um, spaces with streaming that they, the only thing they had in common was literally Kafka, right? You know, the different industries, different reasons use Kafka. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's just moving data around. Sometimes it's actually processing data. But all these projects had in common that it was really hard to do even the simplest thing, like giving Give me a hundred records from this uh, topic because I actually need to look at the data. I'm looking for like, I have a bug uh, that I don't know how to fix it, but I need some real data because I don't understand the problem. And, uh, you know, I imagine how easy to do that with, uh, I don't know, with Redshift or with a remote Postgres database. You just, you know, connect to it with a read-only database, get a hundred rows. You even have a syntax to get directly as a CSV and just move on. And in every yeah, single yeah. place I worked with, there was always, you know, there was always like two or three uh, ops just to get to basic answers. Now there is, you know, there, there are there are some UIs out there that make it a little easier. But well, the nature of the problem and the fact that we, you know, kept building on something that I don't believe it works, that is SQL, we ended up with with solutions that more or less solve one problem really well. But don't give you this, you know, uh, like ec- like full developer experience that is just uh, like even remotely as good as what you have with remote uh, relational uh, relational databases. Which, to be clear, it's somewhat obvious because we have started working on usability for relational databases. I don't know in eighty four, eighty five. I, I don't know when to. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe even the seventies. We could yeah, be pushing yeah, on to the fiftieth anniversary, argue, right? Yes, you could argue that we started. The, I wasn't born yet. I think that's kind of you know, <laughs> in the late seventies. I wasn't there yet, and and our industry was already working on how to make this um, uh, this more usable. And you know, I use always the same trivial. Example, but to be honest, it, it happens every day, especially when uh, I've mentored a lot of people into the streaming space because I'm really into it because I really like, like it fits my my mental model of how data flows into systems like a glove. So I applied it uh, in a lot of companies. So I found myself in a position where I had to mentor a lot of people and I could see, for example, this completely obvious burden that, you know, when you're working with, uh, say, with with a Kafka cluster and you have a bunch of topics and you have to get data out of it, well, you have to know the encoding up front, which I know it's obvious, right? I know the technical answer is, of course, you have to do because you have to decentralize the data on the network. That's not what I'm arguing. I get that's obvious, but that would be the same as saying that when you extract data from a Postgres database or a MySQL one, you would have to know how the B3 um, tables look like on disk. I think it would be really hard to get data out of Yeah, it would be a hard sell. Yeah. (laughs) It would be very hard to sell. So I understand that some of the complexity is not going anywhere, like at least long term. Like I can't imagine like completely being able to hide the concept of partitions, even though I have my opinions about that as well. I think it's a little harder. Um, but some of those things, like, for example, knowing up front that 
or a JSON one or a, a product buffer, and you actually have to have the scheme up front before you can even look into one record of this topic, uh, yeah, I think it makes it significantly less usable because of how much work you have to do to even know what you're working with. And that's, you know, yeah, yeah. I think it's like, it, it's literally that part of it that every single project that uses Kafka I worked with uh, people struggle at first, and then you, and then I've seen two different two different scenarios coming out of this. Either right. people get really good at Kafka Stream and then become so experts that they they don't remember anymore how hard it was to get there. So they say, yeah. you know, Kafka is easy. Like if we have to write a stream processor that gets the data, filters out some stuff, and then does an aggregation. I mean, it's fifteen lines of code, right? Yeah, they've got, all the, they've got all the recipes in their short-term memory. Because they have, exactly. Yeah. It's cached in yeah. the red. They know exactly how the, like, they can picture the DSL uh, from uh, from Kafka stream in their head. Uh, even though uh, nitpick there, it always bothered me that we call it a DSL because I, I think it's a fluent API, not technically a DSL. Different conversation. Yeah, that's, I, I, I have thoughts on what DSL actually means. And yeah, yeah uh, separate but, conversation. <laughs> but it would be a very long conversation. The point is that the, you either end up with people becoming experts, nothing wrong, actually pretty pretty amazing. Like I have some friends that now they're going around the world and doing Kafka stream in places that uh, there was no Kafka stream first. Very happy about that. Or people just, you know, say, okay, Kafka is some somewhat of a black box that can, can, you know, ingest data really fast. I can get it out of it. But when I have to do something, I will, I will move it first somewhere else. And then I do my uh, thing. It's like, I move yeah, it and then to I'll stick it back. Yeah. I move it to, to, which to be clear, there are some really obvious use cases where this is the right solution. Right. Mm. But I've seen a lot of people like then end, ending up saying, you know, uh, Kafka is just good at moving data around. And then when I have to do something, I will do it somewhere else, which I think it's like not really true. Like I think there is a lot of like even the most basic work that you could do it in flight, like, you know, filtering data out, like uh, uh, basic aggregations. There's a lot of work that you could do out of this realm. But the problem is that for that to be easy for you, you've got to be a Kafka stream expert. And then, then you see the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a terrific amount of power that we're missing out on just because the user experience isn't yes. quite there. Yes. And I do think you're right, without criticizing the SQL approaches at all, and I use them and I love them. Yeah. And we've made great strides in that, but it's still not a solved problem and an answered question. There is still more to explore in the design yeah. space. Yeah. I and I, this is why I got you in, because I think you have an interesting and novel answer yeah. to how we could solve how a new area we should be looking at for this design space. So I'll let you tell me about it. Yeah, type stream, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so I, I, I have to make a premise there because I don't like, you know, I sometimes you listen to people talk about uh, their projects and uh, they're a bit sensationalist about it. It's like, you know, this is the best new thing. So I appreciate you saying it's uh, novel and I do get why you say it's novel. Uh, but I, I, that's actually the thing I struggle the most with when I talk about TypeStream because I think the ideas are not novel at all, actually. Like I like when I look at what TypeStream does and how it solves problem, I didn't invent any of this. I just 
um, like looked at it um, uh, from from the perspective of data streaming. So so what does so how does type stream look like first of all, right? So the initial story there is that um, uh, it has actually nothing to do with streaming. Is that I really wanted to get into Kotlin and I needed a real okay. world project. And uh, I had nothing at my hands. That's uh, maybe two years ago. And uh, I started exploring programming languages because it sounded very hard. It's like, you know, can, can I write a programming language? It sounds impossible. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even, I don't actually understand how programming languages work. Well, it turns out that, uh, shout out to um, uh, Munificent Bob, I think, on Twitter, uh, that is the author of uh, Crafting Interpreters. It's an okay. incredible, an incredible book. Like it's literally, you know, nothing about programming languages and you read this book and when you're done with it, you can actually write your own programming language. There are, there are, you know, there are things that the book doesn't go through because the space is too big, but you know, you can, you can do most of, most of a small programming language on your own. So this is how I get, I got to TypeStream. Like it was, it was like, I didn't come up with idea. I was like, I've, I've had, I've had the idea for TypeStream some 10 years ago, almost like in 2015, I think it was at the, at the time I was the CTO at uh, this food startup called uh, Marlespoon and we were discussing how to use Kafka to move order data from a web shop into, you know, different parts of our infrastructure. Like we need, we need, you know, uh, shipping labels on one side. We need uh, the ability to have manifests to build boxes on the other. And it's like, if you think about it, it's always the same data and it just looks slightly different. Like I need all the errors going to customer care. I need all the shipping labels to go to the shipping team. And it's, yeah. you take always the same data and you do these little pipes that in my head, in this meeting, I can picture the meeting in my head. They just looked like these basic unipipes that we use all the time. I was like, you know, I can cut my orders and then I just grab all the errors and send it to customer care. And when I had this idea, I actually couldn't put it into words because, well, first of all, it was so early that I think Kafka Stream was not even there yet or it was really early days. I actually okay. don't really know when when Kafka Stream came out, but it must have been around that time. And I also had no idea how to put it all of it into practice. Then I, you know, went on with with streaming for like some eight more years. And then I found myself wanting to learn Kotlin. And then everything just came together and said, you know, here's a very difficult project. Can I get a bash like programming language uh, that I give it strings that look like bash like bash uh, comments, pipes, or uh, uh, one-liners, or whatever you want to call them, and can I compile this down into a Kafka Stream application? This this was this was the question, right? I, I didn't I didn't I didn't tackle the problem from a usability perspective. It's more the other way around. It's like while working on these, that sounded like very difficult and very fun. Uh, well, the more I looked at it, uh, the more interesting the metaphor got because you know by nature. I'm one of these people that is very skeptical about his own grandiose ideas, right? You know, it's like when I started working on this, I'm like, am I really trying to write a programming language for data? That sounds, that sounds crazy. Like that, like that doesn't make any sense. You're never going to be able to do this. And, you know, sure, it's maybe half imposter syndrome, half um, healthy skepticism, but, you know, the metaphor just kept giving while I started uh, the 
looking at it because, you know, I, I got this remote compiler working and then I could do these basic things like, you know, cutting a Kafka topic and, uh, you know, doing some grep, which is literally filtering. And then I got, you know, some basic VC version, WC, I think it's the common, where I could aggregate data and just, uh, you know, count page views and things like this. Okay. And then, and then I, and then it did really, it, it hit me really hard that, you know, this Unix metaphor that we have heard for 50 years that in Unix, everything is a file. I mean, there was really no difference, like between the, between these concepts where like in Unix, you know, what makes it really powerful, this abstraction is a composition, like it's a combination of two things, right? It's like the, the way you interact with the data is pretty uniform because, well, literally everything is a file. And the programs are very composable because of pipes. They do one thing, you compose them together, and then you can do the same kind of um, uh, transformation over very different files using the same exact ideas. And you can just keep reusing it as much as you want. And the more I thought about it, the more it felt like it would work for streaming. And then what happened is that I just kept going, and now it turned out into this vision uh, where, yes, I do believe that's another way of looking at usability for streaming because type stream pitches, what if you could interact with your uh, and with your Kafka topics? What if you could write streaming applications with the same simplicity you actually uh, uh, do some work on your files, on your file system? And, and, um, yeah. and the beauty of, at least in my opinion, the beauty of this metaphor is that it actually works perfectly from the perspective of the file system too. Like meaning, you know, I have TypeStream as this uh, virtual first system where you connect it to a Kafka cluster. It will create a view of this cluster where you get each topic is its own path. And that's how you address it, right? You have this so that you can do cut name of the topic, which is a path. So you're literally, you're literally enabling something like you can run TypeStream and go CD slash dev slash Kafka slash topics, yeah. Yeah. Yes. cat yes. users onto grep Berlin yes. onto yes. Berlin users. Yes. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and, the, and you know, the basic, the basic metaphor that I applied that already works, like even though TypeStream is a very young project, also a very complicated one. So it's a bit hard to, to, <laughs> to, to get, to, to get everything up and running. And it's also, Definitely my first programming language and bash like <laughs> programming languages are very complicated because of bad words. Like, because you, like, until you get to the final process of compilation, you don't even know if that string you're looking at is actually a string or a path on the file system. It gets very complicated very fast. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very tricky or a variable. It can be a lot of different things, right? So the, the thing that really clicked in my head is that when I started looking at TypeStream from a, like more of a product perspective, right? Because when I started talking to people and say, oh, this sounds like, it sounds like a good idea. I would like, you know, I, I bet people uh, telling me, why isn't this like the default way we interact with, uh, with data, which is very cool feedback, right? It's like, it sounds <laughs> yeah. so easy. Why are not we doing this by default? And well, I have... <laughs> Two answers. One of them is that I have no idea why that's not the default in a way, <laughs> which which feels very suspicious because we are doing this for 50 years with Unix. And uh, am I the only person that ever thought of applying 
the concept of Unix to something we literally call data pipelines. It's literally in the name, right? Yeah. <laughs> the operator we've been using for decades, every day, several times a command is, yeah. I feel really strange about it. It's like, am I the first person thinking about this? And that's why I kept trying to sabotage my own project and say, yes, if I do this, it doesn't work. And this is how I discovered how the metaphor works in reality with, um, like, it works beautiful, beautifully in context I had never thought it would work. Let me give you one concrete example. Are you familiar mm. with Tiny Bird, the, the, the startup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. I think you might have told They do ClickHouse uh, yeah. APIs in front of ClickHouse, right? Yeah, yeah. and they, it's very clever. Like, I, like you know, when the first time I ran into it, I, it was a bit like, I think it felt a bit like the first time I ran into React that I'm like, why is everyone saying this is cool? I'm not getting it. It's my fault, right? Like, let me spend <laughs> two minutes on it. And then, I, and then when I realized that they would expose an API for you, and then you, instead of consuming the data from just a managed ClickHouse, you can build on top of it. You know, it clicked in my head in two seconds saying that, well, if I apply the metaphor to TypeStream and I have a media file system, I can mount a, a web web server and say, you know, then cut, topic, grab, you know, Berlin. And then you can, you know, redirect this into a, a web server that is a slash media slash server one slash endpoint, which is the actual endpoint you expose to the public. Ah, so processes is like entries into the file system. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then also be eventually there'll be slash dev slash Postgres too, and you exactly. can exactly, and it yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, Like you know, what's interesting is because it works both ways in Unix, it will work both ways in TypeStream. I mean, if I get yeah. to building it, and both ways, I mean, then you can end up with a one liner where you actually get data out of Postgres, you process it on top of uh, Kafka. Uh, you throw it at a topic, but also you take the topic with T and uh, you also expose it with a WebSocket because why not? I mean, the, you know, the whole the whole idea behind it is that it looks exactly like Unix and that composability is really obvious for us in the Unix world, right? It's like yeah, we, yeah. we do that all the time, right? We Like like you you might send data via R-Sync. Well, R-Sync, uh, it's like Kafka Connect. It's just R-Sync in TypeStream, right? Conceptually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because it's kind of the same idea. Yeah, I can see that. I can see. Yeah, that. and 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 that's kind of and that's kind of um, you know that's kind of what fascinates me and keeps me working on this project, which I will not deny it is uh, technically the most difficult project I worked with uh, because there is way too much going on. Even like you know because we ignored one thing that TypeStream does uh, so far, which I think it's worth mentioning, that is that there is a reason why it's called TypeStream, apart from the fact that it sounds nice uh, and it resembles other things that people are familiar with. It's because all these data pipelines, they're all typed. And I think that makes a very big difference compared to other solutions where, you know, you would have to bend SQL significantly to actually achieve the same usability. So let me give you an example. For example, when you do cut, uh, topic, uh, pipe, grab something, uh, yeah. if you use a bare word, um, uh, TypeStream will do exactly what grep does. That is just uh, like it just looks at the whole line, which in in the context of TypeStream is the whole record and just looks for whatever you passed, right? That, that makes right. sense. But of course, great, um, like you can uh, use this, um, uh, I think it's called square, 
brackets operator that creates these conditions, right? In Bash, there is this square brackets operators, and uh, you can use it in in uh, if statements. And I, I I started thinking about it. It's like you know, to make grep more usable, I can use the same conditional concept to grep. And then now, for example, TypeStream does things like you know you can cut the topic, and then you can grep and look that you know a specific field is bigger than five hundred. Now, this right. doesn't sound yeah. very smart because, of course, you expect a system like this to give you the ability to, to, to I don't know, give me all the books that are more than 50,000 words. What, what I think makes TypeStream more usable, and it's kind of easy to do once everything is a programming language, like the technical problem you're solving is a programming language, is that, well, I can actually type check the pipeline you give me because I know... Yeah. I know because of the, the the schema of the data, I know the the type that the whole pipe is. So I can infer each single step of this pipe and say, okay, the book schema, it looks like this. There is a title, there is a, and it's a string. There is a word count and it's a long and, you know, and so on. And then yeah. you do this. When, when you get to the grep operation, I know that the field words is not there because it's called word count. And then I can actually tell you, I cannot run this for you. I cannot compile it for you, which at first sounds like just a nice feature. But then if you actually, you know, apply it to the whole idea of writing data pipelines every day with this, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, with this technology, well, you end up in a place which we just give for granted in the whole industry that is not streaming, <laughs> which yeah, is just yeah. obvious that it just works like this everywhere as long as you use a typed language. But you know, in data uh, streaming, it sounds like it, it sounds like a very advanced feature. And to be honest, it's well, I really think it not- is. No, I, I mean, think it is because I mean, I use things like Kafka streams, yeah, and. Yeah, Sometimes it feels it. like most of my time is getting it. Uh, it won't infer the types and the serialization yeah. stuff, yeah. and I just have to teach it how to deal with types at every single step. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's and you know. So, but what I meant to say is like I, I, I know why you say it's advanced feature, and the point I'm trying to make is that it is only because we're not tackling usability. Because well, it's really not advanced feature conceptually. It, because yeah, it's something we ought to be able to expect. Yeah. Exactly my yeah, point. Even though it's hard to implement, that's what exactly. I'm getting at. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. It's that not easy. I, I, I will agree with that. But the point is that when you look, because, you know, if you look at a Kafka stream application that gets data from two topics, it joins them together, and then it filters out some of the, the data for some business criteria and sends the result via WebSocket with a forage, these 150 lines of Java code or Kotlin code or Clojure code, whatever you use, as long as it's JVM, um, well, there is a lot of details going into this because there is no abstraction. It's not Kafka Stream's fault that they don't solve this problem for you. It is really out of the scope of the library to solve the set of like the serialization, the serial- I know exactly what you mean about this. But <laughs> you find yourself there is like, okay, oh, I have to tell that the resulting type is this thing that I don't have yet. And in every single project I worked with, we ended up with some sort of like, um, we would call it like a hybrid serializer that for all the internal steps of the data pipeline, we would use a JSON serializer so that it would be easy to make all uh. the... You know, it's like to do all the operations really fast. Just cheat in the middle. 
Yeah, because the truth is that when you work in a project where you use this a lot, well, this happens every day and you're not going to yeah, do yeah. a new Avro schema for every step of every single pipeline. Well, yeah. the beauty of, of TypeStream in a way is that, well, TypeStream can do that because it will just compile it, right? It will compile every step and figure out what's the right uh, schema. And it can also output in different formats because, again, uh, well, you can just have a two JSON or two CSV or two whatever command at the end of the pipe to change the encoding, because that's how you that's how you would solve the problem in Unix, right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, yeah. I, like I didn't invent it again. I think that is actually literally a command in Unix. I never remember its name that changes the encoding from DOS to Unix. I think oh, that there's is, Unix to DOS and DOS to Unix. And, yeah, and, yeah. The, and, and the idea is the same, right? All I'm saying is if you want a different format, you just pipe it into a, into a tiny program that its only responsibility is taking whatever you're giving it and changing the encoding. That's all it is. Oh, yeah. So, so one day TypeStream will support pipe JSON to yeah. Avro. Or- so right now, so no, so the, so it already supports this um, uh, like automatically at inference level. The point is, the point is that if you do a pipeline where you start with a schema and then you grab start, you grab you grab something out of it and then you redirect it somewhere else. Conceptually, it's very easy to imagine that the, the end topic should have the same schema as a starting one because you did not change the schema, right? You just like filtered some data out. But then if you filter some data out, you should change the schema. So this type stream right now does it automatically by assuming that all the... Like, so what it does is like it, it infers the encoding of the pipeline on the fly and it will figure out that none of the data operators you use changes the schema. So you get the same schema as you already had when you start. Okay. And as soon as you use something like uh, a cut or WC or a join, which by the way, I discovered while working on TypeStream, there is a... We have to talk about joins. Yeah, there is, there is a join command in Unix. I had no idea about this. I discovered while working on TypeStream. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is how actually the first time I started working on TypeStream, I was debating uh, it with a friend of mine. Shout out to Bruno because he's very helpful into doing this, uh, you know, like a um, remote rubber duck where we talk on uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Signal or something. And, yeah. uh, like, and then that's the exercise we did. It's like, can you find semantics that work with, you know, because some of these are really obvious, like grep is filtering, WC is uh, aggregation, cat is literally reading file, and, uh, you know, the bigger than is literally the two of Kafka stream. And I, yeah. that's how I discovered that that Unix has a join command where you can join two files uh, together. It's so you're just thinking, surely Unix has already solved this problem somewhere. <laughs> that's yeah, kind yeah. of... That's kind of yeah, yeah. my that's kind of my point, right? The point is that I didn't even know that Unix already had the program because it's like I'm gonna have to do a join command because otherwise yeah. I cannot join streams that like that are from different sources together. And then when I started looking join Unix, I could not believe the command was already there. And I started using it with files to understand how it works. Of course, it has limitations co- compared to the join semantics of streaming, but still. The basic idea that the metaphor just keeps giving is what get, kept me going with uh, TypeStream. So before we move to joins, to close the, 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 the encoding part, well, to be honest, this is one of those things that every single person I got started with 
uh, with uh, data streaming has struggled with because you have to handle encoding on your own. And from uh, from the perspective of a type stream user, it's completely transparent. Unless unless you want to physically change the encoding, saying from Avro to Protobuf, there are things that I, I have to shout from a syntax perspective, but it already works. It already does that because, well, the point is that type stream is a remote compiler. So when you give it a string that is actually a pipeline, it does all the things a programming language would do. It looks yeah. at the pipes, it figures out all the operators, it tells you, well, you cannot use grep with this field. This field doesn't exist yet, right? Or um, it ends, and it, the beauty of Unix uh, metaphors in this context that it works with both kind of commands. I have a HTTP command so that you can, you know, pipe things into an enriched block where you get all the data coming in from a stream, do a remote HTTP call, and then have a resulting stream coming out of it, which is a non-trivial Kafka stream application, say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To write. And this HTTP command, because everything is a stream and because everything is, uh, like, because the metaphor works everywhere, it just worked at first try. Like, it just works with uh, with grep. It just I. I literally discovered that it would work with the other data operators by testing it after I finished the first implementation because I wasn't even sure that it would work, but it actually worked (laughs) immediately, which I, you know, which I think in a way it's a form of validation that uh, this might not be the best solution ever, but at least it's a concrete and valid way of looking at the problem space of improving usability in data streaming because even copilot agrees with me like you know it i i I think i think i tell this to every person i meet that is when i write docs for for uh, for type stream and i'm writing like i don't know today literally today I, i added the minus b um, option to grip. For some reason, I thought it was already there, but it wasn't. It's the, right. it's the um, option that inverts the match, right? So I, I added this option. I started writing some docs and Copilot just like finished the line in, in the type <laughs> stream code, right? Oh, Which right, because you're reusing yeah. the metaphor so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Copilot doesn't know that the code is type stream. Copilot just thinks it's a shell script, right? It's a little yeah. shell script. And, and, and that's what gets me very enthusiastic about it. Like, like even Copilot, that is a heartless machine, <laughs> sees the, sees the <laughs> metaphor, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I have to ask you, this is, this is yeah. something on a side, but I feel like I have to ask you this. You're, so you're building out an existing language with a lot of lot of conventions and a lot of yeah. rules. Yeah. It's your first programming language you've written. You're writing yeah. it in Kotlin, which is your first big Kotlin project. Yeah. You're doing not just a programming language, but a programming language with type inference. Yeah. I mean, how large a mountain are you trying to climb, Luca? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. Look, it's so... I, it is a very fair question. Yes, it's very large. I don't. I will not deny this. It's like you know, I'm working with a friend out of Ottawa. We, we co-founded a small uh, company behind TypeStream, like because TypeStream is, to be clear, TypeStream is fully open source, and I believe that there is no other way of doing this. Like I, I'm not even like you know, 
I'm like, I'm not even going to argue for any other way of looking at type stream from a, from a project perspective, because I don't think it makes sense. Like I, I actually timing is perfect because I like six months ago, I used it to say Terraform would never become so successful. Now it feels a little strange to say it. <laughs> if it wouldn't be open source in 2014. And, and I, I think you can tell about how badly the open source community reacted to, to Ashikor changing licenses. So oh, yeah, yes, Typestream yeah. is an open source project and the scope of it is immense. I, I, I agree with you, right? And <laughs> there is no doubt that there is a bunch of first Things I never did. I think that, you know, to be fair, the, the fact that it's my first large Kotlin project, I, I, that I don't really care because I like that. That's not, that, that's not, that's never been an issue uh, for me because for me, languages are literally tools. Like I don't like, you know, I don't look at it as uh, this, it was not even hard to learn. I just needed a real world project. That's how I ended up using Kotlin. I, right. I will say, I will say that uh, it is, uh, difficult from a programming language design perspective, because of course I've never done a programming language, but you know, it's kind of funny because if you look at the history of the people that build programming languages, when you talk to them, they, they will always say like, I had no idea what I was doing. And then you end up with Python <laughs> and with Ruby and with, uh, with JavaScript. And, uh, yes, some of these languages have obvious quirks in inside. Um, uh, but in a way I feel safer from that perspective, because well, I'm not really reinventing the syntax either, right? I I have to borrow ideas uh, from other languages that um, uh, that Bash doesn't have, doesn't have because it's really hard to do stream processing without the concept of block. Like you know, if you because if you're like mapping data, like in a in a mm. in streaming, it's really hard to express that without the, the block syntax. And uh, um, Bash doesn't have that actually. Like you know, the like the the typical uh, lambda that you would have in Java or in uh, Kotlin, uh, it's not really there uh, in Bash. So I had, I had to add a bit of syntax coming from uh, other languages. There is a Rust project out there called Nuxel. Uh, that's, it's kind of funny because they solve a very similar problem that I'm trying to solve with TypeStream, but for, uh, uh, shell only. So they, it's a shell where everything is structured data. So you can write very, very clever scripts inside your shell because the shell is aware of the data types of everything you oh, want. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's very, look at that. very interesting. And, mm. you know, in a way, again, one, one, one more time, a form of validation that, you know, the metaphor can work in the in the in the in the context, but yeah. So the point is, uh, in a way, the the thing we really need uh, for the project is, of course, to people to use it a little more. Like I have friends using it, but ideally, um, it gains a bit of traction so that some other people are interested, and maybe the company behind TypeStream can hire a couple of like full-time open source developers in the, ideally we would hire at least one compiler engineer that works with me that does nothing else than working on the open source project, which by the way, I think it's a dream job if you ask me, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, everyone has opinions yeah. about that too. If anyone uh, listening would like to apply, send your details yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't do that yet because to be fair, um, I'm doing this out of my pocket at the moment. Right. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I cannot really hire anyone at the moment. 
but but ideally that's you know the path you would want to take because I think it's yeah. also important for a, for a pro and and that has nothing to do with type stream right it's more about my leadership experience uh, uh, of 20 years in, in in the industry that for a project to be successful uh, you do want the, um, uh, to know your limitations, right? You do want you, yeah. you do want to you know put the project in place with people that are hyper specialized into solving in one problem. I do feel very secure of the the vision that I have for TypeStream uh, because I've spent so much time trying to sabotage it myself <laughs> that I can. <laughs> that well, either either I have a giant blind spot that I haven't seen yet, but you know the more I talk with smart people like you the less I'm convinced I have a blind spot toward TypeStream. Uh, and the more I'm convinced that we should try, right? we should try to make work the full extent of the vision, where, as you said, uh, some half an hour ago, at some point there is a slash dev slash Postgres table somewhere. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And use that to uh, basically saying TypeStream becomes a data programming language, which is a very strange thing to say, I think, in a way. Yeah, I can see one day it's going to try and occupy the same space as, uh, say, Flink, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. A, a sort I, I of mean, connective processing tissue. Yeah. And, I, you know, mm. in, so the, when, I, when I started talking to people about the, 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 the project from a product perspective, one of the feedback I got most often was, um, uh, why, why are you even trying to solve it as a programming language, right? That, because there are other ways you can approach the project. I think there is um, a company solving a very similar problem as a Python library. I think it's called Bitefox. Bitewax and it's Bite very wax, clever. yeah, yeah Bitewax and it's very clever, very smart, and it's a different approach and it's as valid as TypeStream. The difference is that because it's a programming language, TypeStream is something that you cannot have with these other projects. Not because you know uh, TypeStream is better; it's literally because of how the TypeStream is designed and uh, because it's a compiler. Uh, Kafka Stream is one runtime. And I think this is not obvious when you talk about it, TypeStream for the first time, because right now it looks like this, you know, the naming in compiler space, it's really funny, but you know, there is a front end, a back end, a middle end. I know, you know, <laughs> if you've never heard, it's really hard to believe there are middle ends, but it's true, right? So the naming is a bit strange, but the, com the because it's a compiler and it's taught as a compiler, nothing prevents you from changing either the front end or the back end, meaning you can compile to a different runtime. You can compile to Pulsar, you can compile to Memphis, you can compile to Flink. Okay. Why not? The Flink job. Yeah. Because all you need, I'm trivializing the not the scope, but the simplicity of the, the task, but the scope is very well defined. What you need is a one-on-one -on -one mapping semantic between the data operator that um, TypeStream offers and the ability of expressing that problem in the native code of, say, Flink or Pulsar or whatever it is. Right now, yeah. if you would look at the compiler, the last stage of the compiler, the one that creates the Kafka Stream application, it's literally a like a walking algorithm or like, you know, basic uh, depth uh, first uh, um, algorithm <laughs> yeah. on the graph that does nothing else than every node that in, that it runs is say, oh, what is this node? Okay, that's a that's a grep. Well, that's how you do grep in Kafka Stream. Oh, that's a yeah, yeah. that's it, it's. That's so you get to the point where like Flink and Pulsar and Python will all become architectures 
yeah. on which you run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can say that, yeah. So from the perspective of TypeStream, they're just run types, right? Yeah. Now, now yeah, I like that. Yeah, there isn't even a larger scope, which it's a can of worms, which probably we don't have the time to go through this specific <laughs> a can of worm. That would be at some point TypeStream can get to a place where it can run um uh it can run pipelines where there are multiple runtimes involved, meaning meaning you have clusters of all kind, and then you decide to run the, you, you can decide on the fly what's the best place to run this pipeline, because, and the, okay, which yeah. sounds like science fiction level kind of um, uh, technology for data, the, for data pipelines. But I don't think it is once you accept that TypeStream is nothing else than a programming language, and then you have available to you all the techniques that are literally basic stuff in programming yeah. languages like you know it, code elim- code elimination or caching caching is very common in programming languages right yeah. and you know caching part of a computation of a data pipeline sounds like a very advanced feature in uh, in other uh, system but you know if you write cut a topic grab something and then you pipe it somewhere and i write something that starts the exact same way but then does one more grab and pipe somewhere else I mean, nothing prevents us to use the first part of the computation. It's the same exact pipeline. And those things are only unlocked by the fact that TypeStream is trying to solve the problem in a way at an unreasonably low level that is giving you the ability to express pipelines with a language where the hardest sell would be you would have to learn a new language, uh, except you don't because the language looks exactly like your terminal. That's kind of the yeah. final pitch, right, of the whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There may, may be a lot of work for you to implement each part, but the, yeah, the, the syntax yeah. is... Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I think I think it's really interesting. I think it's at least as valid an answer as the that cool. SQL is the right answer to this cool. thing. But I feel like we should just... Um, if Unix is the metaphor, and you're convinced that it's a good metaphor that seems yeah. to be fitting well, we should test it in a couple of places. Yeah. Test if the metaphor hangs together when we start doing more interesting things. So the first one is joins. Tell me yeah. about how joins will actually work. I mean, so the, the syntax of the join command in Unix is very close to the syntax of, uh, of the join fluent API from... Um, uh, uh, from the Kafka from Kafka stream because it does n- nothing else. I'm you know simplifying <laughs> a little, but it does nothing else than says you know th- those are the two streams you want to join together and this is how you stream them together and this is what I brought up when I talked about blocks when we were discussing Bash syntax. Bash doesn't have that feature. Bash doesn't have the ability to tell you you know. Cap- capture a little piece of code here and use this resulting code every time you do this operation. Uh, and that's how the join syntax looks like. Now, I, I right now, TypeStream has the simplest join uh, syntax possible, which is literally you can join two streams and we'll join them by key. Uh, and I think it has a default window. Of, like, it, it's all hard-coded at the moment because, I, you know, because the scope is so big, for each single problem, I just try to glue them together and say, okay, that's the infrastructure. If you want to make joins really smart, well, there is one class that is the, the, the you know the abstract syntax tree class representation of join. 
you can make it as smart as you want because the beauty of the abstraction is that they just work with a class that it's called data stream inside the, the code. They don't know about anything else about the outside world. So you can make the join as smart as you want. And the way you would do it is by imagining a little syntax that uh, gives you the ability to 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 uh, what, what I think is normally called the value mapper because you have to map the result of that join. And that yeah. syntax is already there because... Um, uh, TypeStream supports a command that is not Unix standard called enrich, which is the equivalent of map. I stole the name, I think, from New Shell because it was okay. literally 101 with the idea that I wanted. Uh, and then the rest, you can do it with options. The way you do, like if you look at the rsync page, like there are a million options because it's really a smart program. And yeah. if you think about it, I'm pretty sure rsync has more options than how many possible joins you can do. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and maybe, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should say this out loud because I don't think I ever did so far that I, I'm also like, I don't think, you know, I don't think the one-on-one um, ability to express one-on-one every single thing that the streaming processing that already exists can do should be a design goal, right? I, I think it would be nice. Yeah to get to a good 95% uh, and not do like, you know, the last 5%. Uh, but I don't believe in, uh, in, the, in the, you know, into we have to be one-on-one feature compatible because, uh, because this is not really an alternative, right? I'm not trying to build an alternative to Kafka Stream or to Fling. I'm trying to solve a different problem. The problem is interacting with uh, streaming, uh, stream processing with this tooling is very, very hard. So I'm going to yeah, create yeah. a tooling that allows me to do 95% of the job with one line of code. And then if I need to do something really complicated and I need one Kafka stream app, I can still do a Kafka stream app that writes into a topic and that topic just becomes a file system path for me, right? Yeah, so yeah. I it's the, um, how do we make things that are easy, trivial? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I, I, care, I, I care significantly more about the fact that right now, if I was working on a Kafka uh, project and I had to... Uh, get the past four weeks of data from a specific place and filter data out, I would have to write a whole app instead of writing a line of code for it. Okay, so so maybe moving on from joins then, let me yep. test it with another important yep. thing in stream processing. Is there a Unixy way of handling state if I want to like roll up, have a running balance, for instance? Yeah, I mean, so... So the, the funny thing is that this was one of the hardest thing to implement for me because, mm. um, so the, the thing is that, so there, 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 there is two answers to it, right? There is the syntax answer and the physical answer, the actual, how does this work in type stream? And the, oh. the, the syntax answer is that, you know, in a way, as long as you have a Unix command that makes sense. Like I test these things by sending people little pipelines and ask them, so what do you think this pipeline does? Right? And that's oh, how okay. I, like <laughs> I don't tell them what it does. And that's how I figured out that, for example, the WC command works in a lot of places where you have to do these basic count aggregations, right? You know, right. I want to aggregate all the data by key. As for handling state, 
uh, I don't want TypeStream to ever solve the problem in a way, because if you if you think about it, TypeStream is just a compiler. Like I say just with quotes because it's a little reductive for how complicated the problem is. But at the end of the day, TypeStream doesn't actually solve the problem because it compiles down to Kafka Stream. Well, Kafka Stream solves that problem, right? So yeah. what I'm arguing for is that, and I've had this question from other people as well saying, you know, when you get to state, when you get to storing data, it gets very complicated. And while I agree with all of it, um, uh, I don't think it's in the scope, which is kind of interesting in a way. And it confirms um, a part of this idea that I enjoy very much that is, because it's just a compiler, I don't have to deal with this problem at all, actually, because it's relegated completely to the underlining implementation of the uh, streaming library that I'm using. In, in theory, you know, that's kind of a yeah. funny, fu- a funny uh, part of the answer. In theory, you could compile uh, um, uh, a Unix pipe uh, written in, uh, in TypeStream into a streaming library that solves these problems on their own, like Bytewax does. Because why not, right? Because yeah, what, but- what prevents you from solving that problem, right? That's uh, in a way. So maybe maybe there is something that is uh, uh, not clear to you from um, from um, from a technical perspective, and I should spend a minute explaining it. Right? It's like TypeStream is a remote compiler, which uh, which makes a difference, right? Why is that relevant? It's relevant because uh, in production, I and uh, there is a variety of reasons why it works like this now, and we could talk probably one hour just only about this, honestly. <laughs> uh, but in production, I like um, TypeStream requires you to use a, um, a Kubernetes cluster, and the reason why it works like this it's because as I don't want to solve the state problem for the stream processing, I also don't want to solve the orchestration part, which I think it's unclear to people that, and it's my fault, obviously, because if you go to the website right now, it's obviously not clear that TypeStream also manages these jobs because, well, once again, the Unix metaphor just keeps giving, right? Because if I give you a, a pipeline and I add the, you know, a commercial at at the end of it, it will just run in the background, right? Oh why yeah, not? yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? It's like why not? And that's yeah. exactly what TypeStream does, right? When when you run type, TypeStream as a little piece of code that says, "Where am I running?" Oh, this is a Kubernetes cluster, and then it puts itself into Kubernetes mode, which means all the um, uh, all the long-running jobs, instead of being in coroutines, corot- in which they would die as soon as the server dies, they get they get delegated to Kubernetes jobs. Why why am I bringing this up in the context of of state? Because I think those two things are actually connected. Because what you end up getting if you run TypeStream in production in your uh, cluster where you have you know your you have your apps you have a namespace with typestream and all of these talks to kafka what you end up with is with a extremely simple way of running long running uh, jobs on top of um, uh, of Kafka that do the almost the exact same thing that a Kafka stream application would do, with the difference that the thing will take you I don't know fifteen seconds to write instead of two days, and you also have to manage it yourself. You know, yeah. long term, the idea is that right now the PS command again the <laughs> Unix metaphor just keeps giving. Uh, <laughs> the PS command is a bit dumb because it just shows you the name of the app with the state. But nothing prevents you to making this 
much smarter using once again a different aspect of the Unix metaphor by exposing metrics of you know consumer groups, uh, Kafka stream applications, brokers, all of these via the proc. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Which, so one day type stream will let you say cat slash proc slash Kafka slash some job and you'll get yeah. the metrics for it. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, would be very nice. Yeah. So right to, for that to work, like everything is already in place because, you know, that's kind of the exercise that I did. It's like, is this two hours that I don't even know how to do? So I just kept answering <laughs> questions to see if I could go full, full circle with <laughs> yeah. the problem. And there is actually literally one thing missing there that is when you start jobs, they reflect inside the file system immediately. So what I'm trying to say is that if I implement that feature, then what you just said would already work, actually, because of right. the, everything is a stream, everything is a file, and it's always the same metaphor. So if yeah. I add to the file system a live job part that, like basically the proc management, I think that's how we would call the roadmap item in TypeStream when we implement this, uh, well, then this would already work. And, and, and you know, the... The beauty of it, like the long-term vision, the beauty of this of this approach is that there is a lot of code already written that works with this kind of solutions. And then if you have a script that monitors the proc, um, uh, oh. it would be very easy to translate, right? That's kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be very easy to translate all these scripts. And I, you know, I haven't even looked into the progress that we've made in the past, I think, four or five years, not more, with the ABPF, with all like, you know, inspection that is a bit more low level, trying to resurface all these metrics again via the file system, because why not? It would work, you know, immediately. Yeah, yeah, I can say that. And and then, you know, and that's kind of my, you know, that's kind of the, the reason why I'm so excited is because whatever question I get, even if I don't have an answer immediately, I, my brain thinks about it. And then maybe while I'm swimming, I'm like, well, I mean, Unix does this already. And the answer <laughs> is consistently, you didn't invent anything. You just realize that we've been doing this for 15 years. We forgot to apply it to data. That's all we yeah, do. Yeah, you've got a 50-year-old book of design recipes exactly. to draw from. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so that that leads probably my last big question, which is possibly one of the biggest parts of a Unix system, which is the ability to extend those pipelines with your own commands. Yep. Where is TypeStream on the I can extend your language story? Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful question. And uh, um, so I, I think there's two things that need to happen, right? One of them is really uh, syntax slash semantic. So right now, uh, the language, to be fair, this is also relatively easy to do. I just didn't get to it yet. But uh, there, uh, so the language doesn't have the ability to define functions. And the reason why I bring it up, because, well, one solution is obvious. That is, uh, you add two uh, features to the language. One is the ability to define functions, and the other is the ability to source functions. And then you end up exactly where you ended up with Bash and Zshell, where you write your own scripts, and then you just source them, and they, they just appear, and they just work. So now yeah. this solves uh, a variety of use cases. And I think it's very interesting that you can get a function that removes, um, I don't know, it removes all the um, the possibly um, uh, pri- pri- privacy-sensitive data from whatever stream it's coming in. Like if mm. there is an email or IP address, it looks like this, 
Whatever it is, it will just remove it. And then you have this tiny function, you can call it PII, and just use it on all your streams, like in case. Pipe, PII, you know, pipe, yeah, yeah. Pipe, PII, and then it just works, right? Yeah. And, that, and that's also very fascinating because in case you do something wrong, type stream will just tell you, well, you know, you applied this to a stream that doesn't have these types, so what are you doing? <laughs> and you would also relax it to a warning if you wanted to. Yeah. The other answer is a bit more complicated, and I like I don't have a fully, like, you know, fully formed answer. I feel like there has to be a way for people to write their own native operators. And, you know, with like, let's make it as concrete as possible, right? So cut, grep, uh, like, you know, these filter comments, the um, uh, WC, LS, CD, those are what you would call the built-in shell programs, right? If you try mm. to do a man page or one of these programs, you actually get one giant page with all the programs. It always confused me. I want something about one program, but you don't tell me <laughs> with, the, with the man page. Uh, and how do you um, um, uh, add more comments? And I think there... The answer lies into some clever application of the of a path, like with the with like the concept of path in Unix, where I give you yeah. a binary path and you can put the file there. Now the the thing is that this language, so this program is natively written in Kotlin, which I think it means that the comments that you put in the binary path gotta be jars. I think there is no way out okay. of it, which is which is what. Um, Kafka Connect does. I think that's literally how Kafka Connect. I don't know. I don't know if you ever worked with uh, this. Uh, I think they're called simple message transformation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're very. To be honest, they are significantly more powerful than what people think. Like you know, people <laughs> don't, they, because they don't know that Kafka Connect has this feature. It doesn't even cross their mind that with just a configuration file you can get pretty far ahead with Kafka Connect by cleaning things. But if you really need that a special transformation that is, I don't know, some business logic that you only you are the only person knowing about it, and Kafka Connect couldn't possibly solve that problem, they give you the ability to like load plugins on the fly. Now, uh, uh, again, no, not trying to bash on the project because I, I absolutely love, love the way they solve the problem. It's not the most user-friendly way of adding a functionality yeah. to it. Yeah. Now, what I expect the long-term vision there would be is that you know, you would make all of TypeStream a Java library, and then and then you add comments by running your own TypeStream version with your comments inside, and then it becomes much easier, right? You have you have this main comment that essentiates TypeStream, and you are just you register your own comments with which just abide to some interface. And while the interface will actually look really simple, right? Because it's a function that takes a data stream and returns a data stream. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see myself one day like SCPing a jar to type stream slash user local bin, right? Yeah, that's, that that's that, yeah, that's kind of like, and you know, because we we shipped with TypeStream uh, an official because TypeStream is a server and it's written in Kotlin and it exposes a, a gRPC uh, server. It's not the most user friendly way of interacting with TypeStream, so we support uh, official. Um, um, uh, Common line application written in Go uh, because uh, once again big fan of using the right tool for the job, and I think Go is very apt for little uh, uh, common line applications. So I, I imagine 
the common lineup might actually just support it out of the box. I think a bit like Kubernetes does with the CP command. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah in a way, okay. probably do, do that as well. So user-defined functions are definitely coming. And, uh, you know, in a way, what I like the most about uh, the conversation is that they would be typed. And I think, and I think that's not immediately obvious how much powerful than other solutions in the space this approach would be because it allows you to express a, a lot of problems in a very safe way, right? For like the example we just made, like if the stream is coming, it, it has emails, just remove it. Uh, it's not so easy for me to imagine how you would solve that problem in different technology that is already out there that is both reusable and type safe. That's the, that's the thing I cannot see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think at that point we should probably say what state is the project in today, and how do people get started playing with it? Yeah. So, uh, what's the state? So, from from uh, so, if I would have to look at it with the most critical eyes, I would have obviously say that it, I don't think it's production ready. For the most obvious answer is that no one uses it in production, right? So, one <laughs> chicken and egg in production. <laughs> It is production rated by definition, and it's not, which means right now this would be the most valuable um, uh, next step for TypeStream would be uh, putting it in production uh, somewhere with uh, with someone. From, um, uh, like I say, feature standpoint slash how you get started with it. So uh, there's two, two, two things about it uh, to say. So the... Um, the um, getting started experience, I think it's uh, somewhat pretty solid already. Like if you go to the to the docs right now, um, because I really, really care for, for I think obvious reasons at this point, <laughs> uh, the developer experience, I try to make you know the getting started as you know as little friction as possible. So there are. You know, I'm going to say you've succeeded because I I tried it out. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the <laughs> nice. initial onboarding is very smooth. If you've very got cool. a I didn't lunch know break, you tried it. very cool. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I worked really hard for making that point. Like because the point is that there is a lot of things that. Uh, that are new to you when you get to TypeStream. And because, you know, I use the React metaphor there. I, I don't know if you remember when React came out, but they had, I think, literally the first six months on the homepage, on, when it was still on GitHub, not even when they had the official domain, they had a thing saying, you know, can you please give this project five minutes before closing the tab? Just <laughs> Because the idea is really, really novel and you should probably spend some time. And the reason why I bring it up is because, of course, TypeStream is not under the Facebook umbrella. So I don't get that, you know, boost in trust. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So in a way, I had to make it as easy as possible just for that. And uh, and I, I... I think the getting started is somewhat of pretty much solved. The only thing that is maybe not completely straightforward, and I don't really know how to make it easier than that, is if you want to get the project tamper running on your machine and develop uh, uh, Kubernetes features, then there is maybe two or three things you have to do. But the getting started thing where you want to play around with it, I think it's uh, pretty much there. There is a variety of comments already there uh, working, uh, the data operators, I mean. And um, uh, maybe there is more comments than docs. Uh, I have literally this as an X uh, <laughs> to do item in my list saying, you know, I should I should 
make more dogs because there is more cold than dogs. So when I have more dogs than cold, then I can go back to, <laughs> to the cold <laughs> yeah. again. And, uh, um, yeah, the, the yeah. eternal circle of programming. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, right. it, it's a circle. I do believe strongly that, that documentation makes the quality of the project, actually. Like your project is as good as your dogs. Uh, but from, uh, you know, some of the things we talked about today are very hard to implement. So I'm not going to lie about it, right? Like the idea that you can have these data pipelines that get data from extremely heterogeneous data sources, like say Postgres on one side, Mongo in the middle, Kafka, and then Redis. Yeah, yeah that's, I would say that's far, but all the ideas we discussed about, you know, being able to write 95% of what you would normally do in a Kafka stream application, that actually already works. Like it, like it literally already does all of it. Of the would, What I would call the, you know, beta features, the only thing that's missing is the ability to change the, the like to force the encoding of your, of your choice. Like right now you either okay. get your original Avro or protobuf or whatever it is encoding, or you get JSON because that, that's the lingua franca of when TypeStream uh, joined things coming from different encodings. And well, if I have a topic, it's Avro, the other one is J and the other one is protobuffer. What's the output supposed to be? And I think yeah, there is no yeah. right answer. So as a, as a default answer, we use JSON because that's kind of the, you know, the structured lingua, structured data encoding lingua franca of the world right now. Like that's, yeah, that's what this, yeah. right? There's nothing. Yeah, you like know. it or not. It's yeah, yeah, the I, language you speak. I'm not, not a big fan because of the last the loss of types, obviously. That's the reason why I don't really like that uh, encoding format. And if you have the types, it gets pretty cumbersome really fast. So a very inefficient way to, to uh, bring the, the, the data around. But it's, it, to me, it was really obvious answer. And, uh, if you look at it like a bit farther, not just looking at the coding, it also makes some of the features that uh, TypeStream can offer uh, really obvious. Because if you are like doing a pipeline that it ends up into a WebSocket server, it's a very high chance you want that stream to be JSON anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's why yeah. It's also, I can say that. Yeah, that's why it defaults to JSON, right? That's also that. Yeah, so yeah. in a way, the state of the project is, uh, I think it's at a state where if we get some production users, it will grow really fast from here because it's very, it's very easy for me to imagine that once I get past the, uh, the, the, the initial, uh, you know, effort of getting it installed in production where someone would use it every day, I think they, I would expect them to use it 95% of the time because this is what I missed 95% of the time when I work. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'm one person and then, you know, that's not how data works. Like, you know, I must yeah. say as a sample of one, but I do believe and I... I, I have the feeling you agree with the with the basic the basic metaphor holds up really well for um, yeah for a lot yeah of, I think yeah. I think you've got uh, you've got you've really hit on a seam of a good design idea cool. to mine and you've got a lot of mining to do but that but you don't have a lot yeah. of design work to do I think yeah. and that's a huge accelerator that those design problems those really yeah. difficult search space problems being solved. Yeah. On which note, I should probably go and leave you to pick up your pickaxe and go mining down that seam of ideas. Yes. <laughs> You've got a lot of code to write. Yes, yes. And a Luca, lot of thanks. 
<laughs> and a lot of books, yes. A lot of docs to write. Thank you very much for joining us, Luca. This fascinating idea. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Luca. I kind of have to say, I think that's the most time I've spent thinking about pipes with an Italian since Super Mario Brothers. Sorry, Luca. If you're interested in giving TypeStream a whirl, check it out at typestream.io. There's a link in the show notes. It's going to be a while before they have full support for said and orc, but what they've got right now is a useful tool and also an interesting design study, I think. It's also worth taking a look at New Shell, which we mentioned briefly. I'll put a link for that in the show notes too. But if you're looking for a New Shell or New Shell ideas, search for NU Shell. And with that, I think it just remains for me to remind you that if you've enjoyed this episode, please like it, rate it, share it, hit subscribe, because we'll be back next week with some more thoughts on how we can build the future of computing, sometimes with inspiration from the past. Until then, I've been your host, Chris Jenkins. This has been Developer Voices with Luca Petty. Thanks for listening.